Greetings, Alpha Seekers. Uh, welcome to another exciting episode of uh, Alpha's Next. I mean, I'm excited about it. I hope you find it somewhat pulse rapiding. Rapiding? <clears throat> That's probably not a good construction. I write better than I speak. So, um, you know, keep your eye out for the uh, website, alphasnext.com. Someday we're going to transcribe all these and memorialize them and you know, let the search engines know what we've been talking about. And we will be very proud of our uh, heads up early on uh, Moderna and ashamed of not investing <laughs> in it. Uh, but Moderna, it may be a good thing to lead off with because Moderna has gotten beaten up a little lately. So if you didn't like it at 80, which I didn't, I loved it at 21. I, I loved it even more at 18. I didn't love it at 80. But now it closed today, I think it's 67. So, uh, and there's analysts out there who are saying, well, you know, it could go to 90, could go to 120. Nobody really knows. Uh, you know, Astra, I think, came out today and uh, they got a billion dollars, I think, from uh, Trump, from the administration, I should say, from the U.S., this BARDA outfit, uh, which I never heard of before the crisis. And that's a whole lot of money. And when you get the money, what you also get is some restrictions on how much you can charge. And you also get some restrictions on who gets dibs on whatever you produce and where it gets produced. So, uh, you know, the street, I think, today didn't react all that much to the Astra announcement. Because Astra's a big company. And... Uh, you know, if they're not going to have to have to do it at cost, then you know that's not going to move the 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 PE or the EPS. So big deal, you know. Uh, so uh, and that's Remdesivir's problem, I think, uh, for Gilead. You know, they're doing it at cost, so they say. Of course, we all know those of us who've get done things that quote cost unquote you know that doesn't mean you're not making money but in any event um on the books you're not so we'll see uh and moderna if they you know they took federal money and anybody else who takes federal money or no it wasn't i'm sorry it wasn't astrazeneca it was j and j scratch that I think they're the ones who took the money. Anyway, lots of people are taking lots of money from the feds, and that comes with big, big, big strings to the point of chains attached. So, uh, but Moderna still, uh, you know, may have some upside here. If you liked it, uh, you know, if you didn't like it at 80, you want to get in at 67, I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to tell you you're crazy. You, you know, you can also play that with options. You could buy a put down 60 or wherever you think is the is the floor. Uh, you know, maybe pre that announcement earlier this week and, you know, get bullish that way. Uh, and if you want to do a cannonball, you can do a risk reversal. And then you got unlimited upside. Now, the thing could go to zero. So, you never know. But uh, that's why I liked it a lot better at 21. But, uh, you know, we are moving ahead with our uh, biotech uh, roulette uh, strategy. Today I had a list of 600 uh, biotech stocks, and we're going to winnow those down. This is the kind of thing you get off your trading platform. So we're going to kick out all the big caps and uh, 
focus on the small ones, and then we're going to weed out the ones that are just, you know, there's a ton of garbage out there. So we will evaluate them, and we will, you know, rank them, and then we will uh, take the money that we have and uh, place our bets. So basically, if you're a roulette player, we're going to have a chip on every every number, red and black. So we, no matter where the ball lands, we win. And uh, we're hoping that our positions will be structured so that I mean, if you literally did that at a roulette table, I don't know much about gambling, but I do know that, obviously, if you, you know, you win every time they spin the wheel, but you're going to lose money because they obviously structure the odds that way or else there wouldn't be a roulette wheel at the casino. But, uh, you know, you can hopefully structure this thing so that we, you know, we put more chips on the ones we think are most likely to win. And we also use positions that have leverage, like risk reversals or calls, so that, uh, you know, we make more on the winner or the winners, hopefully, than we lose on the losers. And then we manage those positions. You know, we, we keep an eye on the news and... You know, we, we cut our losses on the ones that aren't going to pan out. And most of them won't, folks. So that's uh, that's something we're moving on. And we're going to put a structure together. You know, uh, probably one of the less expensive legal structures. So friends and family and, you know, uh, people who aren't complete strangers. And that would be the people who listen to this podcast, folks. Uh, will be able to get in without us having to you know, lay off some huge legal expenses for like 10 people, or however many it is. You know, I hope it becomes more than that. But uh, initially, you know, there'll just be a handful of us, maybe. Maybe not even a handful. Maybe two handfuls. So that's going down, and we had our first interested investor. You know who you are. Thank you. And uh, very loyal, our most loyal listener, apparently. So the more you listen to me, evidently, the more you're drinking the Kool-Aid, at least in this case. And this is a good thing. I mean, this is, you know, again, we're talking 1% of your liquid net worth, you know. That's the most I would suggest that anybody uh, use to take the real highly speculative stuff like this. Uh, and that includes Angel and, 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 and even these long-shot publicly traded companies. But, you know, if you win, maybe... Maybe that doubles your investable net worth. Who knows? So, uh, so that's what we're doing. So uh, we we appreciate that interest. And if anybody else wants to jump on the jump on the gravy train here, so to speak, uh, let me know. Now, uh, that same investor is also somebody who knows their way around Vegas a lot better than I do. So I talked to him about one of our. Uh, one of the stocks we've talked about, which is El Dorado. El Dorado is buying Caesars. And I asked him, you know, what do you think of this whole casino space? And for, and again, the the preamble here was, was to the point where uh, we're probably going to be focusing more on our uh, real expertise area, which is... You know, we, we know a lot about the pharma industry based on me being in the industry for 40 years and still in it, in some capacity at least. Uh, so, you know, invest in what you know. So we're focusing probably more on that. We're continuing, though, to focus on real estate uh, because we, 
we have experience there too. Uh, one of our uh, one of our group is a realtor, and I've got some very good resources in real estate. And I just joined a Midwest uh, real estate investors organization today, and listened in on that. And I'll tell you more about that in the coming days. But lots of opportunities in real estate. So, uh, and also on private lending. Uh, you can go out and buy notes, apparently. And that's something I just became aware of today, but I plan to learn more about. So, uh, that's a way to get into real estate. Buy, buy notes. 10 cents on the dollar, 20 cents on the dollar. And these people were saying there's going to be a lot of bankruptcies, a lot of foreclosures, a lot of shorts, a lot of note purchase opportunities for a fractional uh, uh, refunding, if you will. So uh, look for bargains, but don't look right now. It's going to take a few months for people to get to the point where they have to bite the bullet. But a lot of these people have bought Airbnb places, uh, you know, that's wasn't that we were thinking about that. Good thing we didn't do it. So uh, anyway... We are going to focus, though, in the, in the equity market more on uh, the biotech area because there's, you know, that's where the alpha is. But the, so on the casino side, you know, okay, I heard about it. Yeah, maybe that's, uh, but, but this fellow I talked to was telling me that, you know, these casinos are all levered up big time. And, uh, I guess there's some private equity involved, and the first thing they do when they buy something is pay themselves a nice big dividend and then, you know, fund it with debt. And then everything has to go perfect uh, in order for that to work. And if it doesn't work, they don't care because the company goes bankrupt and, and they took their dividends, so you can't get that back from them. You can't claw it back, under current law at least, I guess. And this is not the way I'd like to make a living, but this is the way a lot of people get rich. So, uh, you know, given that fact, uh, this El Dorado is kind of the minnow that's swallowing the whale with Caesars, and it may have something to do with that debt service. And so I am not not fishing in that pond, and neither is my friend the the uh, the Vegas expert. So, so I would stay away from that just based on what I, I was told yesterday. Know more about it today than I did yesterday, you know. So as you know, I you learn a lot of lessons when you're an investor. <laughs> I've learned way too many. And I try to share them with you so you can learn from my painful experiences and not your own. So today I'm gonna just finish out here with uh we put up an Alpha's next uh, LinkedIn page. It's a company LinkedIn page, so just search for Alpha's Next, A-L-P-H-A-S-N-E-X-T, if you're on LinkedIn, and follow us. And uh, you'll see, this is where I'm going to be posting uh, articles that I talk about. And then I'll repost them to my LinkedIn contacts, and it's you don't want to know all the gory details of, of how we do social media marketing. But in any event, um, that's kind of going to be the agenda for the day. So I was very active out there today. And uh, let's see. I th- I saw this uh, coffee cup that is EBITDA C. 
And those of you who are accounting people and such know that EBITDA, or investors, you should know this, EBITDA is earnings, well, it actually should be earnings, plural, but they say earnings, singular, before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization, and the C is coronavirus. <laughs> now, here's something that relates to the real estate front. I'm watching CNBC today, and they had a one of these features that they run like eight times a day, and I'm sitting here all day, so I know I, I see it you know, over and over again. It's like that commercial for that stupid pet, uh, that pet, uh, I, don't know, I don't even know what it is. I, watched, I got a dog, and I watched the commercial a million times, but it's so irritating, I never really get what it is. It starts out, do-do-do-do, hey, would you remind me to remind her to, yeah, it's, to go get this shot every six months or whatever it is. Stupid commercial. But anyway, CNBC will run the same segment like eight times a day because they figure nobody in their right mind would watch it all day except me. So, uh, well, that may... (laughs) All right. Keep your sarcastic remarks to yourselves. This is a one-way medium. Um, So, first post or second post, outside of the coffee cup... uh, says, could cost and liability of work from home, cybersecurity vulnerability, bring workers back to the office. So there's a guy, and I don't know who this dude is, but he is uh, Mike Convertino of RCO, A-R-C-E-O. I don't know what that is. I don't know who he is or what that is, but you can Google it. And uh, or go on LinkedIn. The security price tag uh, for work from home is anywhere between two hundred forty-seven dollars and seventeen hundred fifty-five dollars. I don't know where they got that number. I suppose it depends on, you know, whether. I mean, I'm skeptical about this in a way. But the the issue was that you know if somebody's got Wi-Fi, then that can be a security hole. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I when 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 I was in the workforce, you know, the company, last company I worked for, had people who were working from home. That was the you know like salespeople, and we set them up on a VPN. So the worst thing that could happen, you know, was that that VPN got uh, hacked. But there was a firewall between the VPN and us the you know the, the the family jewels because we had a lot of very sensitive data so uh, and I know that the what they tell you in technology and cybersecurity is you can never prevent or zero out your risk you can only minimize it or else you can't be on the internet you know <clears throat> so uh there, there's no way to, to totally zero out your risk. All you can do is minimize it. And so uh, that's what you do. You narrow the window. And you frankly make it, you, you want to be the toughest house on the block. You know, if a burglar's walking down the street, you want to have a attack dog and an ADT sign and hope that he robs, or she, robs uh, somebody else. You know. 
And that's how cyber is. You know, these these bots go around looking for vulnerabilities, and the, they take the first one that's the easiest one, unless you're a, a real high-priority target like the Defense Department or something. So I would think a lot of companies have already addressed this because a lot of people are working on the road as it is on their laptop. You know, if you travel, I mean, you've already got that risk, and you're in a hotel room, so you got their... So I don't know if this is bogus or not, but if it is, you know, you look at it from two standpoints. One is the IT standpoint and the management standpoint for that liability. The other is uh, from the employee standpoint. And if uh, if I'm an employee and you're going to tell me that, you know, I get fired if I get a breach from my Wi-Fi and I'm a technical, you know, a digital tourist like me, then I'm going to go in the office. I don't want to put my job on the line. On the other hand, you know, uh, if they've already got it covered, and it's not like a fire on a phone, so then I probably will stay home. And, you know, so it's like, do I risk my job or my life? I'll probably risk the job. And that depends how much money I make, obviously. And for how long I think I'll be making it. So I don't know if that's going to be a serious pushback on on the work-from-home economy, which I had kind of been baking in. But if it is, you know, maybe that's good for commercial office real estate. And, of course, office real estate has an impact on the residential market because if I can work from home, I don't need to be in a big city in a big building, I can move out to the suburbs or the exurbs and be a lot safer. And I don't have to go up and down elevators with people, etc. And I can get a lot more for a lot less, better value for the money. So, you know, that's important. And I don't know how it's going to break, but I do know that that may cast a little doubt on uh, whether or not you're going to see this exodus from the city. You know, the other thing is public trans. I mean, if if you live way out in the exurbs, you know, we're not going to get on the train anymore. So, uh, you know, it has a lot of implications. That's all I'm saying. And it could just be somebody talking their book, you know, about security or whatever, security software. So then the next thing I put out there was that the young, you know, the elderly are probably fleeing the cities because we're all so vulnerable. I know I would if I could, but... Uh, the young are doing the same thing. If there's if the bars are closed and the restaurants are closed, why not move? There's people in New York who lost their jobs and they moved back home with their parents or whatever, and now they're saying, eh, I don't know if I'm going to go back there. So New York real estate and being in Manhattan is not going to have the same appeal it did before because they, <clears throat> I mean, if you took Manhattan and cut it out of these stats, and if you took nursing homes and took it out of those stats, the death toll here would be much, much less than it is. Because the hospitals were discharging people out from the nursing homes, and that's like dropping a bioweapon on the nursing home. So that didn't turn out to be too smart. Now here's something I'm going to mention. A fellow Golden Eagle alumni, Mar- Marcus Lemonis, those of you who watch The Prophet on TV, no Marcus, and he's also the uh, CEO of Camping World. So 
Camping World uh, had great results, evidently. There's an article from the Trib about him because he's a local and uh, graduated from Marquette. I'm connected to him on LinkedIn. That's my claim to fame. And they're saying that demand for RVs is growing because, you know, if you got to go to Florida to see your parents or whatever, you don't want to go to the airport anymore. And I actually thought about this even pre-viruses, you know, let's just rent an RV and travel down there. You can bring the wife and dog and you don't have to go through security and strip. Uh, and now with the virus, I mean, that's a no-brainer. So uh, evidently Camping World had a good good, good earnings report because of that. So that's, I don't know if you want to go chasing it, but you know, just something to think about. Let's see. I put a coronavirus briefing out there on the webpage. I'm not going to get into that too much. I'm sure people are talking this thing to death, uh, including me. I already did that, though. Uh, I put a post from Mohammed El Arian, uh, which was just one of his little commentaries on the markets. Uh, Chicago area transit, I think there's an argument that this thing could be net-net bullish for car or automakers, and particularly used autos like CarMax, AutoNation, stuff like that. Uh, Also, companies that are in the business of making outdoor uh, furniture, outdoor uh, decks, pools, that kind of thing, retail manufacturer, that kind of thing. So, so that's about it. Uh, I put a thing out there a few days ago about Spider, you know, maybe going to 340 again. There are people predicting that. So, and if you look at the charts, comparing what happened in 08, 09, and you overlay it on what's happened so far in the 1920 period, they look identical. So if they keep looking identical, then that gets you to 3,400. And I heard an analyst talking about that. So so that's about it. But uh, I'm going to probably use um, the LinkedIn page now as kind of the agenda for, for the podcast and comment on these articles. So uh, those of you who are playing along at home, you may want to follow... Alpha's next um, on LinkedIn, our corporate page, and uh, then we can look at these things together. We're also uh, thinking of hiring a a producer. You'll all be glad to know due to the abysmal production quality of this podcast. So we could be getting more professional. We're evaluating the uh, cost versus the benefit. If we do, since this guy charges by the episode, we may not be doing this daily. (laughs) We might revert to a weekly format. I don't know. Or maybe we'll have one weekly, highly produced one, and the rest will be just me schlocking it up on the phone. But, uh, so tune in next time, you know. that's That's the teaser to get you to come back like the old soap operas. Will Terry hire a producer? Will the quality of this podcast be better? It couldn't get much worse. Tune in next time to find out as we follow our intrepid podcaster and his journey. I just read some guy, Joe Rogan, I think his name is, got like $100 million for the rights to his podcast. I don't even know who the guy is. So 
Um, I suppose I'll find out, because I'll bet they'll be marketing this guy across the fruited cyber plane. Uh, but, you know, if somebody wants to pay me $100 million, hell, I'll take, I'll take 1% of that and be happy to do it. So uh, I don't think I've, I, I shouldn't be, you know, banking that, but, uh, you know, I am available for those kinds of deals. So I may focus a little more on getting better at this. I don't know what this guy's doing. That's one good reason to listen to him, I'll tell you that. So meanwhile, uh, that's it for Thursday. Uh, just overall, you know, my opinion is as good as anybody else's on where we're going overall. Everything was down a little bit today. Uh, futures are up on the S&P. But we're it, it's a very hard, hard line, that uh, resistance level at 3,000. And I don't think we're going to make it this week. And so if we didn't make it this week, I don't know that it's going to be made anytime soon. I think the market's probably pretty skeptical now about these uh, virus press releases, you know, because they kind of got torn apart. Uh, so the market, you know, Mr. Market is not a STEM major. So Mr. Market won't be buying anything now unless, you know, white smoke comes out of the Sistine Chapel or at least the White House press room. So uh, I don't think that, you know, touting stocks with press releases is going to be very successful, and I don't think you're going to move the market on them until you've got a real, real, you know, solid breakthrough that's confirmed by guys like Anthony Fauci and uh, whoever else one trusts, and Mario, Andrew, Andrew Cuomo, you know. So, uh, so live long, prosper, be safe, be careful out there, as Phil used to say on Hill Street Blues, and we'll talk to you hopefully tomorrow, assuming the spirit moves. Bye-bye.